Welcome back to Rain on Your Parade with J.L. Covan. I am J.L. Covan here as always with producer Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, J.L. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, took some notes uh, online this week and they didn't want me to be so mean to you. Oh, um, is that right? No, that's not right. <laughs> Boom. Gotcha. <laughs> no, great feedback. Honestly, great feedback from, from the folks so far. They love the format. They love having... Uh, a sidekick producer slash suicide prevention worker <laughs> in studio with me. So it's really everybody's like, like, like they say you're bringing out the best in me um, and not boring them to death with sad tales of comedy. So uh, <laughs> they, that's they, what I'm here for. Yeah. They are, I mean, the, they are, you know, with my followers. Now, granted, most of my fans and followers pay zero money uh, for anything I do. But if if contract time comes up for you, yeah. they might kickstart start or, or go fund me <laughs> uh, to get you a max deal. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So uh, excited to be here. Uh, and I do thank everybody for the uh, positive feedback. I will just let you know, uh, trying to figure out when these episodes will go up. But um, October 11th, if it hasn't already passed, October 11th, I'm in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with Pete Dominic at City Winery. Um, October 20th. I am at Burbank, uh, in Burbank, California at Flappers uh, for two shows. So go tickets to those. And then I'm in Salt Lake City on October 28th. Got my tickets for the Utah Jazz game. Second game of the season versus the LA Clippers. Seventh row behind the Jazz bench. That'll be a real barn burner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it will. I'm excited. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a big Utah Jazz fan. 36 years, Mike. It's a beautiful city. Clippers just kind of, yeah. We were doing some basketball talk before. The- oh, no. You mean I might be there? I might travel 2,500 miles to see my team win? Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's definitely what I don't All want. All right. Jeez, fair, Mike. fair point. I got Jeez, it. Mike. I get it. All right. I'm not a season ticket holder. This is like my once every, you know, seven year trip to Utah. They're 3 0, by the way, when I've seen them live in Utah. You're the you got the magic touch. The one place where the JL Jinx doesn't exist. No, the 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 Mormons, they, they, the, well, you can't say that actually. That's their N word, I was told. So the Latter day Saints. Uh, they, they, they have it. Um, Wait, is that right? They don't like being called Mormons? No, they're okay with it. But I, I had, I killed, I went, when I was there in 2022, um, we took like a, we were just killing time, Laura yeah. and I. So we, we, we took a tour of, uh, one of the temples, yeah. not the ones you're not allowed to go into if you're not Mormon, but just, you know, and these beautiful Mormon women were just, I was like, oh, I could, I could convert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're doing it right more like you're doing. Don't send the geeky guys in the falling down outfit to go convert <laughs> people. Send these beautiful 20 year olds who are just right. They they have the niceness of a Hooters waitress. But you, but you feel like you can bring them home to mom. It's like being a pharmaceutical sales rep. They want they always send out like young blonde women with suitcases yeah. to the doctors. But I but I'm but By there's Prozac. a little bit of a corporate whore vibe to some of them. Whereas yeah. these were these were just like. I'm the third grade teacher you have wholesome fantasies about. Right. Anyway, um, they were lovely is what I'm saying. And I heard that I heard them talking to someone else and they were saying, oh, you know, Mormon was actually a derogatory term for us for a long time. So we often say Latter-day Saints, but we've kind of adopted Mormon. And I killed when I got on stage and told that I said, so Mormon is your N word (laughs) with a hard N. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all 41 people enjoyed it that night at my uh, my headlining spot. Um, that's why I'm doing my Salt Lake City show at a movie theater because the club has not returned any one of my 12 emails since I was last in Utah. So anyway. Go for 13. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and then December 1st, New York City, Triad Theater, uh, a very rare uh, show with me as Trump. So all those people who mm-hmm. refuse to support anything I do that isn't Trump, this is your chance. So that's show um, business, baby. Yeah. And they won't spoiler. They won't support that either. Um, <laughs> but those are the shows, my Patreon, patreon.com slash JL Covan. A lot of, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, um, as Mike knows, Mike has said, my integrity is my greatest strength and my greatest weakness when it comes to comedy. And, uh, yes. Yeah. And I think that's true. And, um, so I actually over deliver in the Patreon space. I don't know if I've actually made, like I have 130 subscribers right now. I'm not sure if I've turned a profit yet because I, I invest. Yeah. I want it to be like top notch stuff. Cause I feel it feels awkward to me still. I'm a little old school in terms of just like alms for the poor kind of 
like rattling a cup in front of your fans for money. Um, so I feel like if I over deliver, then I don't feel guilty about taking their money. Um, they don't feel guilty about not, not giving it though. So we'll see if we can meet in the middle one day. Yeah. Um, but there's that. My new special tall boy is on YouTube for free. And my new album half blackface is available everywhere. Uh, critics and fans are calling it the greatest work of my career. And I agree with them. And, uh, currently looking for a publicist as of the, as of this recording, looking for a publicist. Um, I've been in talks with a few, so hopefully one of them doesn't learn too much about me before saying yes. Uh, so that's the housekeeping stuff, guys. Now let's get to the good stuff. On my way here, Mike, I stopped into the nearby Trader Joe's and I bought some snacks because I think Trader Joe's really kills it in the snack department. It's kind of a weird store, though. Whenever I walk around, it feels it always feels like they don't label the aisles anything. So I was like, where's snacks? Well, this is olive oils and uh, tampons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Everything is kind of snacks at Trader Joe's. <laughs> it's like every every aisle. <laughs> Nuts over here. You got some cookies over there. Yeah. Like the cookies are on top of the frozen food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they right? are. It, it's yeah, very it's bizarre. Weird. It's like I'm reaching over some woman like, sorry, I'm, you're reaching in for the frozen entrees. I'm just getting cookies. Yeah. This weird store that was designed by, I don't know, somebody with some affliction. <laughs> but as usual in Williamsburg, a, 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 a potpourri of attractive women. Not all. There were some dogs in there. Let's be honest. Uh, let's be nice. No. Come on. But there were some, there were some, you know, as usual, when I walk around Williamsburg, it's like, it, it feels like, uh, 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 like almost college brochure level diversity. Yeah. So I'm walking around Trader Joe's and I'm like, nice, nice, nice. And I was like, I wouldn't expect, I feel like Trader Joe's wouldn't have this many attractive women. And maybe that's just a bias thinking attractive women tend to be shallow, which is not true. Um, it's all random. There's shallow people of all stripes, but I also then thought of a joke where I was like, what if all these women just think Trader Joe is actually like a financial trader? <laughs> Where's Joe? Where um, is he? <laughs> all I see is, um, weird, poor people <laughs> like thrifty shot. Like what? This is like the weirdest super. Where's Joe? Hey, do you know where Joe is? I was hoping to remove my $900 sports bra and maybe, uh, trap him with a, supermarket baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I picked up some cookies and a giant water, by the way, this water, I'm not showing the label. They're not sponsoring the show yet, but tra okay. Trader Joe's. No, no. Yeah, Hi guys. Get that off there. Trader Joe's mountain spring water, uh, 79 cents. I, I actually thought Trader Joe's might be a store that didn't sell bottled water, like on principle, but not only are they selling it, they're selling it at the cheapest price known to man for a 50-ounce bottle of water, 79 cents. Because they just took the bottle, went back to the faucet in the bathroom and said, Oh, they did? 79 cents. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, JL will buy it. Well, I'm about to drink five cents. Mmm. <laughs> yummy. Well, Jersey water is dirtier than New York water. It so, is. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's I would I would never, ever drink it. Every six months, I get a, just a thing in the mail from like Jersey. And it's the notice letting us know like, there is nothing wrong with your drinking water, but. <laughs> <laughs> if it tastes like aluminum. Right. <laughs> stop drinking it. Right. Um, but if you're, a and, and it, it's like nothing wrong with your water, but if you are a pregnant woman, yeah. um, <laughs> right. get the fuck out of our state immediately. <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so bizarre. I get these notices like at least once a year Yeah, and I hate drinking bottled water for the environmental reasons, mm. but I drink so much bottled water in New Jersey. Versus like never drinking bottled water in New York. Well, I mean, that's just about survival. I yeah, mean, that's you know. true. Um, well, well, the warming's a bummer, but. Yeah, it is. It is. P uh, sorry to those people in uh, Libya. Well, Libya, you know, Morocco was the earthquake. Libya is the climate change flooding. But we're not going to do anything about that. That's the joy of being an American. Right. You get to go. Aw. And then nothing. Yeah. Until it hits us. At which point all our Republican politicians will say, well, it's God's will. Yeah. yeah. So we talked last week about fashion and I actually, I forgot to bring them, but I have socks. My, uh, uh, my girlfriend's sister one year for, for Christmas got me these socks with my dog cookies face on them. Oh. And I thought, 
I'm going to bring these into Mike and say, so when I'm wearing my blue suit with my blue, with my brown shoes, <laughs> this is the kind of flavorful sock that counts as fashion, right? I mean, listen, at least it has personality. But I will say, I, I personally, no, I would not wear those. But that's, I, I think it's like a cute thing that you have that you should exercise and do. Like a ditzy, a ditzy chick would probably fall head over heels for me because it's like, he looks good in a suit, but his socks have his dog on them. It's very like, um, you know. Uh, By the way, that voice just got a podcast on Mike's network. <laughs> <laughs> We, we are, we're very, uh, we, we want to support women here. Uh, even if it's just the voice. Yeah. Every female voice matters at yeah. Slickback Studios. Good. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? My socks. I don't remember. Your socks. Yeah. So. My socks. But I'm just going to go with a traditional navy blue with the navy suit. I, I'm telling you, you could do a cream or a salmon or even a brown. Something what are your feelings on salmon sh- colored shorts? I don't like shorts in general. Salmon colored pants then if you're going to be difficult about it. <laughs> um, in the summer, it's fine. I mean, like I wear, I'll wear white pants in the summer and I know that's not like that's not such a far cry from salmon. Mm, but it is. Culturally, it is. Sal- Why? Salmon colored pants. Douche. You think so? It's it's like when I see like it and I'm not it's not that like objectively they're not. Oh, those are nice pants or oh, that's a nice color. I've never seen somebody who didn't look like they just got off their father's boat wearing salmon colored pants. Mm. You're not European though. That's the thing. No, I'm not. No. In fact, uh, Europeans went to my father's homeland and enslaved its people. So no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Italians? I'm not European. The French. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck, <laughs> fuck them. But you know, I, I mean, listen, I, the Italians were sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I am, I'm Southern Italian by lineage. And that is the kind, I mean, we were very, those people are usually pretty poor, but sure. I think in terms of, I've seen Gamora. <laughs> I think in terms of style, that's not such a far cry from something that a stylish Southern Italian might pull off. Okay. That's just my opinion on it, but fair enough. You know, um, I'd have to see the pants though. Not all salmon pants are the same. You just wanted to say, you wanted me to say dickhead. He's a douche. If he wears. Yeah. Those. Kind of. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I, I want to see, I want more evidence before I will render that okay, opinion. Just go outside and just <laughs> the minute you see somebody wearing salmon pants, examine them. And if they're not your friends, <laughs> I think you'll see him right. Um, but uh, you ever see Gamora? I've not. Phenomenal show uh, on HBO or Max, excuse me, Max. And uh, I've always wondered, though, it's funny when you see these gangsters in Italy. Mm-hmm. I guess these are more like street thugs. You know what I mean? It's kind of like street crime in Naples. There's obviously bosses. But it's always amazing how homophobic they are. But then everything they're doing, it's like, I wear my tight pants. And I, I talk to you very close, my male friend, we're close, we're mouth to mouth. And then when I greet you and say goodbye, I kiss you on both cheeks. And then when we get on our scooters, we do a doggy style. <laughs> to, Let's go murder the homosexual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has objectively always been a weird aspect of like those Latin sort of like um, mm-hmm. um, masculine cultures. That they are, I, I grew up, every, every man in my family, like, kissed other men on the cheek. Right. That was, like, how they greeted each other. And it was a little odd that there was, not everybody, but when I was a kid, I remember there was some uncomfortability around homosexuality by a lot of the men. And it, it always struck me as odd. It's a very, it's, I mean, my dad, uh, you know, rest rest in power, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pretty homophobic. Yeah. Um, kissed me. I kissed him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think there's always that like, oh, you're so masculine that you're, you embrace certain things, but a hundred percent against other things that like share like 97% of the same DNA. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have sex in the shower unless it's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, but we were talking fashion last week. Yep. And uh, you didn't. We didn't change any minds or hearts, but uh, we did br- kind of get on tattoos slightly. Yeah, 
that was uh, something that I think I brought. We brought up towards the end as uh, something that yeah, seems we've, we've common ground on not liking. Yeah. I don't because I believe I am okay with tattoos in certain circumstances. I'm not like against the idea of tattoo because I think culturally, if you are a rock star or a rocker, you don't have to be a rock star. You don't have to like get to a certain if you if you're if you're in a rock band or something or. Um, military yeah, or a biker gang. Yeah. yeah. These are all places where I go. Yeah. That, I, I, I just automatically think of those things as indicative of your toughness or status or just a cultural thing. But now there's just tattoos seem to me to be a thing people do when they're bored. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. Like I, 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 it's a way I express myself. Like imagine Shakespeare had decided uh, I'm going to express myself through some tattoos and, and not hilarious. through playwriting. The standard that you hold people to. <laughs> oh, you get no. tattoos? How about, how about Shakespeare? Well, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> imagine, ima- now good, the good news is most people who would get tattoos out of boredom are not uh, postponing their, you know, award-winning play yes. or, or, or script. Yeah. yeah. But. I think it was Dostoevsky who said, you can judge a society by the amount of arm tattoos on its women. (laughs) And by that measure, we are failing. Yeah. And they are increasing rapidly. Like, first it started with a kind of like that Dua Lipa. And who's the little blonde woman on SNL? Um, Well, anyway, people know who I'm talking about. There's a little blonde woman on SNL. Um, It starts with like what, what I refer to as dirty tattoos. Stick and poke. Where it's like you got you got something there you didn't, you didn't yeah. use enough so oh that's you you got that yeah on okay interesting choice because then then part of me is like well the people who I I also I've I've said I kind of like women who have a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. but I you got to have a lot of tattoos like not just like oh I got like six tattoos no 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 ninety tattoos all of a sudden the tide shifts and I'm attracted again interesting right. Because you know she's committed to the lifestyle. Because I know it's not just like it's like you no, your body is now your art. Yeah, right. You know? And and just if it if it's accompanied by augmented breasts and some porn videos, then I'm like, yes, you are committed. Good job. Um, but if you're just like sort of, oh, you've got like nine tattoos, it like augments the unattractiveness of it for me. Yeah. Until you hit that tip. But most people are not committed to hitting the JL tipping point when it comes to tattoos. <laughs> right. Um, they'll quit after 19. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're about 50 short of qualifying. Um, but JL I don't. JL tipping point. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> if you don't have 90, you have to have 90 tattoos <laughs> for me to be a fan of you. 50 tattoos. Not enough. <laughs> um, but I just, I. I see tattoos as this like window into where we're going as a society, a lack of forethought, a live in the now moment, but not in a meaningful way. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like not in a, not in a meaningful life affirming way, but just kind of like, Hey, I just do this. My uncle said to me when I was 20, when I was, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Mike, but I was jacked when I was younger. Mm. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, and my, I said to my uncle, th- this was at a point where I was like, oh, my fucking back. What if I just got a fucking back tattoo, bro? And you my, wanted a back tattoo? No, no. It was more like, a, it was more like, well, I'm- A passing thought. I'm jacked. Yeah. I'm big and jacked, so it would probably look badass on me. Right. But literally, what they need for me is like, yeah, I got a back tattoo for spring break. Yeah. And then I got it removed. But like, you know, a henna tattoo. But then then if, I, if it was like a fake tattoo, I'd be like, well, I don't like that either. Yeah. Now I'm just like faking to be the people I hate. Yes. I don't hate you guys, listeners with tattoos. But you don't love them. No, we're, we can be friends at work. (laughs) Um, But they, but, but my uncle said to me, he says, if you get a tattoo, I'll never speak to you again. Nice. And then I just didn't get a tattoo. I didn't want to call his bluff. Yeah. But I also, if I had a tattoo today, I'd be like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah. Now that's me. I'm not saying everybody would feel that way about their own tattoos, but if I had done it in a passing, oh, it's like badass to have a tattoo. Like I'd be, I'd be like so regretful. 
And sometimes I think a lot of people will probably not regret their tattoos because they're like, well, well what, how could I? I don't know, man. I have, I have had, so I, uh, I'm not typically attracted to women that, that have a lot of tattoos, but there was one woman that I, I had a little fling with who had both arms completely tatted. Like she was like covered kind of, she hit the tipping point for you. Sure. Um, I think that was Axl Rose. You were <laughs> Sorry. But I remember talking to her about it because this was not common for me to be attracted to somebody that had that type of style. And uh, she was telling me how much she regretted getting all that stuff. Wow. And it was co- she was covered in tattoos. It wasn't just like one little thing here. Like they were like, she was like, I, I regret this completely. I got them when I was young. Uh, she was like 17 years old and started getting tattoos. And now I'm not saying everybody does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're out there. Well, that's good. I, I should form like I want to form a support group. Are you hot and have <laughs> tattoos you regret, <laughs> but interested in a man who might accept you for who you are? Yeah. <laughs> um, like like Big Earn in uh, Kingpin with his like single mom's charity. <laughs> Did you ever see Kingpin? I don't think I have. OK. Lost on. on me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tattoos. This is not like the subject of the show, but I just wanted to revisit it because I just I think you can see in a society what's going wrong. Like, like it's a symbol of things going wrong. And I like the tramp stamp was kind of an acknowledgement of, I want to send a signal. Like I want my, my tattoo, like the tramp stamp, as much as we made fun of it. Wow. As much as we made fun of it is I kind of respect it. It's like, I want to send a signal. (laughs) But I also want to work a regular job and I don't want my family to hate me. And I like that. I like, I think those are the kinds of pressures we should all have. But imagine being in the chair and following through on getting a tramp stamp. It just makes no sense to me. I just always wonder what that person's life was like that brought them to that moment where they say, that looks great. I'm going to get it. Well, I know somebody in my life who definitely got it because her friends were getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody maybe formerly in your life. Somebody currently in my life. Oh. Oh, interesting. Formerly in my life, who was inked up? I, a couple of inked up. I, not really inked. Now, um, wow. Any of them? Sorry, it's a lot of names to go through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. It's Alpha Bro Podcast. <laughs> we told you it was going to happen. No, but I think... I remember one I no like I guess I just haven't dated tattooed uh, tattooed women same yeah Apparently. they don't I think they look at me and go square you know I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't wear Dr. Seuss socks. So he, has, he has, he no has how many blue polos? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's discrimination, actually. The uh, blue polo discrimination? No, them. Oh. Yeah, if they look at me and, uh, well, you know. World ain't fair. It isn't. Yeah, so I guess I just, maybe that's what this is, folks. Maybe I'm just discovering that I like who likes me and the tattooed community doesn't like me. So on that note, we're going to discuss people I don't like after the break instead of people who don't like me. People who vote third party in national elections Go fuck yourselves after the break. And we're back to rain on your parade. And as promised, hey, third party voters, lube up because you're about to get fucked. Do we have any graphics? for Fuck, 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 fuck. I'll work on them. Okay, thank you. Um, I have been seeing a lot of, I'm going to, I'm going to spit some truth. Is that okay if I spit some truth here? Spit it. Like, okay. Um, A lot of people are concerned that there will be a third party candidate in the 2024 election. There's no labels. This group of aimless, fame hungry douchebags from both sides who are like, people don't like they've, you know that you ever hear that saying where it's like, I brought a bomb, the joke, I brought a bomb on this plane because what are the chances that there's two bombs on this plane? No. You've never heard that. But the idea yeah. is like a stupid person is like, oh, I brought a bomb on because the odds are already low enough. There'd be one bomb. What are the odds there'd be a second bomb? It's a completely like f- false logic. Yeah. 
But the third party, the no labels people have like adopted that, which is like people are unhappy with Trump and with Biden, which means they're craving a third politician with even less name with even less name recognition policies and chance of winning. Yeah. It's like, are you Gary Johnson? Dumb? Yeah. So, you know, they're thinking about possibly running Joe Manchin, the leathery Senator from West Virginia, uh, as their candidate. And I see a lot of Democrats. That's my team going. You must not support a third party candidate. Third party candidates should not run. Democracy is on the ballot. We must defeat Trump. You can't run as a third party candidate. And I've, I've had friends. I've seen a lot of libertarians and one libertarian who's a friend of mine. Um, he kind of trolls those. And, 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 and he says, yes, because the key to democracy is having no options. Now that's, and that's where I always get a little, I understand where, where maybe the, the, the intellectually honest libertarian is saying, no, I like choice. I think that's what we should have. I think we should have freedoms and all that. But that's like in theory. In reality, it's going to be the Republican nominee or the Democratic nominee. It's yeah. going to be Biden or Trump most likely is the next president. And so that libertarians love that theoretical space where it's like, I think we should have, and I agree in theory, but we don't live in theory. And the flip side is Democrats aren't saying what they really want to say, but we can say it here on this podcast. They're not saying don't run because you'll offer too many good solutions that will draw smart, good voters away from the side of Biden. What they really are saying is, I don't trust the fucking idiots in this country to realize that there are only two choices, democracy or not democracy. And they can't say that because they have to do all the platitudes in politics, which is uh, voters are too smart for that. I love it when politicians say voters are too smart. The American people are too smart for that. The American people are fucking dumb. Like yeah, this is which, just, which American people are, of which you speak. The majority <laughs> of the American people are fucking dumb. Right. And then in that majority that might not be dumb, there's plenty of cynical, apathetic, whatever. So the battle for this country's future and because of this country's importance in world politics, the world comes down to like a third, maybe eh, like 40% of the population. Or did we have, no, actually we had, I mean, kids can't vote, obviously. No, actually last vote, we had 150, almost 50% of the population. And obviously a much higher over, I think it was just over 60% of the eligible population. So two-fifths of Americans that can vote are like, nah. Yeah. And then almost one half of the ones that do are like, I like the blustery uh, asshole yeah. who rapes women and hates democracy. I like him. So what we're really saying, what people are really saying when they're like, we can't have a third-party candidate is, this goes to, I think, a point I made early in this podcast, which is, oh, we can't, I don't trust the people with the freedoms that we have in this country. And like I've said before, I'm not saying we need to get rid of them. I would never say that. But if we're honest about it, we are no longer, we no longer have, in my opinion, enough people in this country who are responsible enough, civic-minded enough, educated enough, both in school and, and just reading on their own, like Goodwill Hunting, um, to make this go. Like we're in the slide to oblivion. Not to be too pessimistic today, but it is, you know, maybe we could play like Goo Goo Dolls slide in the background so it has more of a peppy feel. Democracy just slides. Anyway, um, do you know who the Goo Goo Dolls are? Yes, I'm okay. not that well, you're out not, of it. I, I see who you podcast with. I'm, I'm like the senior, I'm the elder, I'm the Joe Biden of your roster. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jack, let's do rain on... Rain on uh, rain day. Let's do rain day, Jack. Come on, complain stuff. Come on, man. We got to complain. <laughs> so I don't know what we do in this country, but I, I agree. Third parties stay the fuck out. People who vote for third parties, 
I don't care if it's Jill Stein. I, and, and there is an element to this where somebody could go, well, I live in New York. I knew Hillary was going to win New York. I wanted to support a third party for like other reasons. And I didn't want to vote for Hillary. But this is also why I think we should, it would be nice if we could get rid of the Electoral College, which we never will, because there are too many small states that are like, but then y'all won't care about us. And right. So, we don't care about you now. Yes, right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. And I, the idea Hate of to like, tell you the truth, Arkansas. <laughs> right. Wyoming, please go fuck yourself. But it's, but at the same time, at least you'd know your vote is your vote. Like when I right. vote for Joe Biden, I just voted for Joe Biden. I didn't vote for the New York or New Jersey state electors. Mm-hmm. Um, and a popular vote, of course, though, the Democrats would almost always win. They've won seven of the last electoral votes, but only five of the last eight. They've won, f- they've won seven of the last eight uh, popular votes, but only five of the last eight elections. Was that eight Reagan? That the one for the Republicans? No, no, but no, no. That you're going back too far. Bush 04 is the is the in the last eight. Before then, it was uh, Bush. Bush in '88. Oh, Bush won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in '92, Clinton. '96, Clinton. Because Reagan had to have right that oh, yeah, second yeah, election. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, those were those were blowouts. Okay. Um, but in in '04, Gore Gore won the popular vote right. in 2000, right, 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 by half a million votes. Right. Hillary won the fucking popular vote by three million votes, right, right, and right. lost. Right. It's like at some point it's going to become absurd. And imagine if 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 Trump had swung seventy thousand additional votes in, I think it was Michigan, Arizona, or Georgia. I forget the three states, but like. Three states. If, if, they, you, if they had just found the votes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can just find 11,000, you piece of shit. Um, then we're looking at Joe Biden winning by 7 million in the popular vote and right. losing. Right, right. Yeah. And the Republicans, they, what are they going to do? Go, you know what? To be honest, guys, this doesn't feel right. No, they're going to go like, fuck you. Fuck you, majority of the country or majority of the country that cares. Yeah. So third parties, I'm in agreement. If you vote for a third party, unless you have some kind of convoluted logic, which which also, once again, you eliminate the Electoral College, then people have to own their vote wherever they live. They can't just go, I voted for Jill Stein because I think blah, blah, blah. Well, Jill Stein sucks. We can, oh, I voted for Cornell West because I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's what it would be. Instead of like, I voted for Cornell West because I like his policies of long diatribes on Bill Maher's show. Yeah. That's what I think we need more of in the White House. Are you waiting for it? Are you waiting for it? <laughs> I would love to see it. <laughs> well, now that here's the thing, Mike. Producer Mike, brother, producer Mike. Here's the thing. And, and, and if you look at what the Mets are doing, you look at what the Mets are doing, they had a very large payroll. Oh, he's talking payroll. Mets. Cornell's they, talking Mets. They had a very large payroll. That's like a miracle, Mike. It's like a miracle because you saw what happened to the Mets this season. They <laughs> they didn't have the spirit, the spirit. Spirit of goodness in their hearts. They were too run by a financial neo-capitalist named Steve Cohen. Yeah. And now they're doing poorly and they unloaded the whole team. And that's what we're doing in our country, Mike. Brother Mike, brother podcasting, producer Mike. That's what they're doing in this country. Yeah. And we have to stop it. We have to stop it. I knew you tie it in, Cornell. Dr. Dr. West, excuse me. No, brother, brother, you can call me, you can call me Cornell. You can call me Dartmouth if you want to. Um, okay. Well. Like if you vote for Cornell West and you live in a state that's solidly blue, you can be like, I'm just registering my protest vote. So you're, you're wasting your vote because nobody's yeah. nobody's going, oh, I didn't realize I was sitting with a gentleman who had voted for Cornell West. Now I see <laughs> that you are someone to be taken seriously because you stand tall with a rigid spine of ethics. <laughs> no, shut the fuck up and vote for a real candidate if you give a shit. And we all know there's two candidates. Don't get me wrong. Hey, in 1912, Theodore Roosevelt launched a real third-party yes. candidacy. Yep. If you ever gave me somebody like that, if, if you had something like that, a real, not Joe Manchin, not some who gives a fuck slimy piece of shit, but if you gave me somebody, I mean, you throw, and I'm not saying The Rock either. No, like, yeah, yeah. Like a real, if somebody of yeah. real substance that's actually what I was going to ask you about because yeah. I was thinking, I mean, then the, and obviously the Roosevelt example might be the best one. Perot, I guess, is the other one. But yeah. you you weren't, you're not pro Russ Perot. No, my dad 90, was oddly, was but my 92? dad wasn't a citizen. So he could be, he could just be right. like, a, I like Ross Perot. Right. <laughs> but um, 
I do wonder, because that's the one thing, man, that that Trump election when Johnson was running, I was very because I didn't want to vote for Trump or Hillary. I didn't like either of them that year. And I was very interested in Gary Johnson until he started doing like the more traction he was getting, the more he was just kind of. Yeah, he fucking he (laughs) he he talked me out of voting for him pretty quick. (laughs) And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. (laughs) This sucks. (laughs) New York's going blue anyway. Fuck it. You know, right. But I, I do wonder what would happen if they had because Jill Stein, same thing. They're they're never really presenting you with an actual contender. Well, I guess there was also that year, too. Not that I would have. At least Gary Johnson had been a governor of a state, though. Like, at least yeah. at least there was something there where you're like, well, this is somebody who's who's accomplished things and, and moved up the ladder. a w- little bit. Was there a Pat Buchanan year too? Trump fucking. Buried Pat Buchanan one year, didn't he? Uh, two or was Trump going to run as the third party? Maybe he was that's thinking what it was. about for like the Libertarian right. Party. I right. think that was two thousand. And then Trump kept talking about what a Hitler lover uh, Pat Buchanan was. Pat Buchanan, he lo- this guy, oh boy, he loves Hitler. Yeah, loves Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Says Adolf, sir. <laughs> Unbelievable, this guy loves Hitler, and we don't like Hitler. Yeah, we don't, we don't like Hitler. No, we like. I like the Jews. Yeah. People. Very good. Good at business. Like if Trump talks about Jewish people for long enough, though, he then starts to sound like a guy giving backhanded compliments. Yeah. Like when you know he really doesn't like he's like they're shrewd negotiators. They will kick a family out of their house so fast your head would spin. <laughs> you ever try to deal? You ever try to make a deal with the Jews? Oh, they'll, they'll steal every dime off you. Off you. I mean, they're very tough. Very yeah. tough. Very tough. Very nasty. But good. Good. We like that. It's like, is that a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> did you did you just throw a bunch of anti-Semitic tropes at us, but just simply said you like that about them? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, they hold money, and I love that. They're very miserly. Good. Big noses sucking up all that air. I like that. I like that. Less air for the poor people. Very good. Good job, guys. <laughs> but I think like so so. In a perfect world, we'd have no electoral college, which would then make everybody own their own vote. So you, you couldn't hide behind. You'd have to just be like, I didn't vote for the better candidate because blah. Yeah. And to send a message. And that's the thing. I'm sorry. To who? Yeah. Like what message got through? I would say to people who voted against Hillary Clinton, knowing Trump, not people who voted for Trump, at least you're owning what you want. Right. But the people who voted third party against Hillary Clinton, what message were you sending? Because four years later, we had the worst president in American history, and you voted for an older, more establishment Democratic politician, like somebody with 20 more years experience or 30 more years experience in Washington than Hillary Clinton and older yeah. and not as smart. Like, so what lesson was taught? The country suffered because Trump won and you ended up having to get on board with a candidate who you would most likely readily acknowledge was not as prepared or qualified or intelligent as Hillary Clinton. So, so lessons not sent. You're not sending a lesson. People like to think like I'm sending a message. I want people to know. Nobody gives a fuck. Many women would argue that the message was, we don't want a woman to run this country. And, and to be fair, not a, I I hear you. Yeah. I hear you on that one. Yeah. (laughs) But I did. I did a track. Wait, you hear me? Meaning you agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I'm, I he, I understand that. Yeah. You, you, I am now sitting at the table, hearing what you have to say. Yeah. Um, no, but I made. I, I I had a joke on on my 2016 album. It was called 44 and 0, and I said we all know Hillary's going to win. Yeah. Like at the time, and I was like, but won't it suck for our perfect record to be done? Because 44 and 0 sounds awesome. Yeah. 44 and 1 for men. It's like, why do we even have a country? <laughs> <laughs> but so there's, there's the third, like the, you're not sending a message. This is an important thought that I think people need to realize, you know, as a comedian who thinks my work mattered at one point, I have been shaken of that belief. What I do doesn't matter. And when you vote in an election, you only matter in the aggregate. You do not matter individually. I know. Yes, you met. Yes. Every vote counts, but it is are you pouring your vote into a thing where in the aggregate it can matter? And if you're voting, you know, that's why I think get rid of the electoral college. Everybody's got to own their own vote, left or right. You got to just own it. Um, But 
the deeper problem with this country that nobody can say, but I can, is we don't trust our own citizens anymore. I know I don't. Like to be responsible stakeholders, that's like a a very popular term, in our own democracy. I don't trust the majority of my fellow citizens to be responsible, informed members of this democracy, which is the more informed and the more active, the better a democracy works. The less informed, the less active, the worse it is. The less representative it is, the less effective it is. So it's it requires a faith. And that's one of the bad things about Trump, one of the many bad things, but he actively undermines faith in our democracy, which then just leads a vicious cycle of, oh, he's the only one can do it because everybody else is worthless and a piece of shit and doesn't do anything. But when you when people say don't run as a third party candidate, part of me wants to be like everybody who wants to run, run. Bobby Kennedy Jr., you, you fucking tool, run. Run as a third party if you don't, you're not going to get the Democratic nomination. Marianne Williamson, bring your fucking crystals. Run as a third party candidate. <laughs> Everybody run. Make it like the California election when like Schwarzenegger won and like Mary Carey ran and Gary Coleman ran. Make it like that. <laughs> because here's the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> here's the truth about this fucking country. Who are we? We are protecting it from itself now responsible citizens. And and this is like, I'm not a rich guy. And I know rich people can sometimes sound like this when it's like, "Ah, I make the money. I should have private roads if I want. Why should I pay for other people? But in terms of democracy, it's not about money. It's about everyone has a chance, gerrymandering, et cetera, aside. There are some people who want to fucking stop people from having their participation, which is wrong. That's the stuff we should fight tooth and nail against. Mm -hmm. But there is a minority of this country. It's all genders, all races, but a minority of this country that is fighting to protect something that a majority of this country doesn't give a shit about. It does like, if you don't care, it's exhausting to be like, we've got to, you know, and then the Democrats, to be fair, end up becoming the nannies of the country, which everybody fucking hates. It's like, don't nanny me. Well, somebody's got to fucking stop the, the country from walking into the crosswalk when the car's coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, that feels like what we're doing. So it's like, everybody's like, oh, the Democrats are, well, Democrats are too busy having to educate the population while make policy and appear likable and charismatic and like, have a beer with me. Whereas all Trump has to go is like, I have a joke. Democrats suck my dick. (laughs) That's my guy. That's my fucking guy. That's the man. Lead us, sir. (laughs) And 50, 50. And then like, it's, it's, and then it's like, Oh, who will win? Who will win? The guy who says nothing but insults and has, you know, horrible character. Or the old guy who sometimes forgets names, very funny, but does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So, what bo- it just it bothers me because it's like when people say don't don't run as a third party candidate or don't vote for a third party candidate, what they're really saying in coded language, whether they admit it or not, is no, I don't trust the majority of our our people to do the right thing, and I agree. And that's the conundrum with this country at this point is that. It is fewer and fewer people being active and and participating. And if given the choice, too many people will make a shitty choice. Not a lot, not a lot, but enough. Many, many. Yeah, but it's but it like it's just one of those things where I go, oh, you 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 thought Robert Kennedy Jr. was the guy. Who like and you knew he couldn't win, but you thought it was worth, as we've established, sending a message that no one will ever get and ever pay attention to, um, to potentially damage the country. Um, and I think the only lesson that can be learned from that that is a valuable lesson is, yes, now you've learned that America can no longer handle its representative form of government. It is the Constitution has locked us in to a cycle of minority rule when it comes to the Senate. And people just aren't active enough or care. And I know you're, you're probably thinking, well, when's jail going to turn around and make this, uh, 
What's the solution, JL? There is no solution. I said it before. We're in a, what I believe is a long slide away from our peak. I don't know if we'll end up in a fucking bloody civil war one day. I hope not. I don't think so. But I think we've peaked. I think we, like if we were a free agent, our team would no longer offer us a max deal. They'd say, no, no, test the free agent. See if, uh, see if Ukraine wants to give you a, uh, a good deal to come over there because we don't think you have it anymore. We don't think you're worth number one country money anymore. And uh, we'll see what happens, folks. But um, I don't think you should vote for a third party. But I also, unfortunately, don't think we should, we should discourage people from running. I think we should know exactly who we are as a country. And if we are, as a country, governed by 62 million people out of 350 million who think Donald Trump is the guy, that's our country. And if the people who could have made a difference thought that Marianne Williamson's message of love and inexperience and crystals um, was worth throwing a vote on, then that's who we are. That's who we are as a country. Um, so I'm just going to say, uh, God help us all. That's what I usually sign off, uh, making podcasts great again with, but yeah, no, uh, this is not a hopeful episode. This is just a warning that whatever happens in 2024, I think we're in trouble. So on that note, let's take a break. I'll be back with some comedy talk after this. And we're back to rain on your parade. Mike took the shotgun out of my hands during the break as I was ready to end it all because of the demise of democracy in America. And he said, JL, don't do it. We've got to talk comedy. And you know you love that. So I said, okay, Mike. <laughs> I took the shotgun out of your hands and put it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Not comedy. <laughs> so before we get to my uh, special review of the week, uh, I wanted to do a punch down and, and we've been, uh, we, by we, I mean, mainly Mike, but occasionally I have said a couple of things about comedian Matt Reif on this show, but usually it's just Mike taking him to task. <laughs> I like, bet. And I'm like, slow down, Mike. He's not that bad. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? While I'm in a generous mood as we, as democracy goes down in flames, yeah. I said, you know what? Don't go away, Matt. Just go away. As, as Motley Crue once said. And I saw an ad. I keep getting ads for Matt Reif tickets on, on Facebook because apparently when you say his name 13 times a week on your podcast, <laughs> your phone starts to think you're a middle-aged woman who wants to suck off Matt Reif. <laughs> so I've seen his, men health, his men's health spread. I see at least 14 reels of his per week pop up on my page. But this one intrigued me. It's a StubHub ad. You should find out who his publicist is and hire that person. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then all of a sudden you see me coming in here with uh, no cookies anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm on a all diet, bro. <laughs> all of a sudden you're on men's health with a Trump wig. <laughs> <laughs> this guy wants to fuck democracy doggy style. <laughs> and it's just me in like an American, uh, uh, yeah. American psycho pose. Yeah, yeah. Rock on. Um, okay. Well, I get an ad from StubHub for Matt Reif tickets. Okay. Because he's got a big tour coming up. And I often complain the punch down of the week is often somebody who makes a comment either on YouTube or social media, other social media, often trying to punch up one of my jokes, but sometimes just dragging the vibe down. Okay. You know, a and it's always a fan. It's always a fan who's, who's ruining a good time. So I thought this was a good one. The first comment that's visible. Now this is, this is a, uh, this has like a 1300 likes this post. It's an ad run by StubHub. A thousand comments, two hundred shares. So it's big, big, a lot of traffic sure. for this. But the first comment that shows up is from a woman. I'm not going to say her name. Okay, I only say their name when protesters tell me that I should say her name. But in this segment, I don't say her name. Hmm. And this person said, and she's in the right demo. Woman, white, lonely. I absolutely adore this guy, and would definitely pay to see him. Colon. Now, I don't know why she put colon. I think it should have been a dash or a parenthesis. Mm. In a club for a reasonable price. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'd enjoy him as much in a large venue. 
cool. <laughs> cool, lady. You got me wow. to defend Matt Reif on this podcast because I will always stand with comedians against terrible fans. Of course. That is like, that's my version of democracy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that's my version. If I were a politician, this is like I'm crossing party lines to defend democracy. I'm crossing comedy lines because... So you can't afford so you're you can't afford to see him. He's popular. That's yeah. what happens when people get popular, except for me. I had my moment of popularity. It led to nothing. But when somebody gets popular, they get to charge more. People will pay more. And you're on StubHub. That's a secondary site. You're not even getting the original tickets. But you felt the need to just get out there and say, I love this guy. In a club, well, good. Guess what? The next time you see Matt Reif in a club, it's either going to be a surprise, so you can't buy tickets to see him because he's going to pop in unannounced, or he'll be on the downside of his career, like democracy in this country, and you'll be able to go, oh, good, forty-three-year-old Matt Reif, he had his <laughs> moment, and now I can see him at uh, the Des Moines Funny Bone for twenty-five dollars. His Yay. giant gut, and I'm. <laughs> I'm 68 now, but when I take these dentures out, you better believe middle-aged Matt Reif is getting a thorough gumming. <laughs> so congratulations, lady. You're our punch down of the week. But I thought that was that was that was reaffirming, to be honest, because I was like, there is a solidarity in that. Where regardless of what you think of Matt Reif's gimmicks or his social media ubiquity, he's a comedian. And he's huge. Yeah. And he has fans, like even at the height, at the absolute potential height of his career. His height is at like Dice Clay, Dane Cook, Steve Martin right now. Right. Like he is an arena selling out comic and there's a fan who's bitching about it. <laughs> That's stunning to me. Like, But it was also reaffirming because it's like, wow, it's not just my fans who will say, I won't pay a dollar for your monthly podcast. Yeah. You know, some people are like... Uh, $200 is too much, sir. You're not Taylor Swift. But let's talk about a special that I just saw. This might be a little dated. Hopefully many of you have seen it by the time I, I do this. But it's called Beautiful Dogs on Netflix. Shane Gillis. Now I'm going to give you a little background. I think I have time for this little slight amount of background. Right before the pandemic, when I had just moved to New Jersey, effectively giving up on my career, and I don't mean that as a slight to New Jersey, but I had taken a job at a law firm, moved to New Jersey, and basically said, okay, I'm just going to look for some road work here and there. Just to, I still like doing comedy, but I can no longer make it the focus of my life. So I was at the brokerage, the second of three clubs, like the middle club, the Jan Brady of the Long Island club system. Right. Nice club, like cozy, but enough seats that if you sell well, it's still a nice paycheck. It's my favorite club of all those clubs on Long Island the brokerage. So I'm featuring for Shane Gillis. And I was like, oh, Shane Gillis, that's the guy who he had just been kicked off of SNL like two months earlier for, for some controversies related to his podcast. And he had already now been, I believe, on Joe Rogan. So his career was like about to go nuclear. But he's here at the brokerage and I'm opening for him. And we had a, a jolly good time. And that was my last gig before uh, the pandemic. Well, during the pandemic, Shane Gillis continued to rise and is now a monumental comedy star. And uh, and it's I'm like the you ever see the movie Cocoon, Mike? I don't think I've seen it, but I know the movie. Okay, yeah, with the old well, people. Yeah, old yeah. people doing cool shit because they're sucking the life force unknowingly. They don't realize what they're doing, but they're basically taking the energy from these alien creatures, leaving them shriveled and dead, while they break dance and fuck. Right. As old people. Wilford Brimley, right? Wilford Brimley, who yeah. I believe was 50 at the time, playing, <laughs> play, no, playing a 100-year-old man. I'm not kidding. I, I know, I know. you're playing yes. like an 80-year-old. Yeah. Don Amici, I believe, won Best Supporting Actor for that because if you're an old man who's been in Hollywood forever and you break dance in an 80s movie, everybody else can stay the fuck home yeah. on Oscar night. Yeah, come get your award. <laughs> Um, lift up your ball sack and drag it up on stage. You old geezer, you just won an award. So that's what I feel like in a way my career has been. There's a lot of people who've come in contact with me. Sebastian Maniscalco, 2013. By 2015, he's a megastar. And my career just putters along. So I think that is probably the best 
analogy for my comedy career. I have the ability to give off, to give success, but not have it. So anyway, Shane Gillis has become like, like a top Lieutenant of Joe Rogan. He's like Joe Rogan's favorite comic. Now that, 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 that audience has obviously embraced him. But, but the thing about Shane is even though he may have been a legitimate, if you look at it, kind of a victim of what has been deemed cancel culture, he certainly had a big opportunity taken from him due to comedic things. He said, I'm one of those people who I get that some people were offended, but I'm like, but it really was in character on a podcast. It, this wasn't him speaking as himself on things. And I, I think we've lost that a little bit, but anyway, he's had wild success. He had a special on YouTube that got a lot of views. If I'm being, I gotta be honest, right? I thought it was fine. I, I think people were talking it up and then I watched it. Like when I did my run a few months ago, when I got laid off of like, oh, I'm gonna catch up on all these specials. It was fine. He's a funny guy, but I wasn't like, this is like not star making stuff. Beautiful dogs is star making shit. Now I have a special out this year called half blackface and I'm biased. So I have to remove myself from it. And I know you laugh, Mike, you laugh, but people who've heard it. They fucking know it's really fucking great. Beautiful dogs was the first thing I saw this year. So take it. If I'm just an arrogant douche, or if I am as objective as can be concerning my own work, Beautiful Dogs is the first thing this year that I was like, made me feel as good and laugh as much as my own shit did on that, on Half Blackface. Notice I'm not bringing up Tallboy, my other special, which is good. I did, yeah, I noticed. No, no, but Tallboy is good. It's, I'm, I'm happy with it. It's, it's a very like solid, some great bits on it. Half Black Faces is my shit though. Like of, of 20 years, whatever you think of me as a comic, it's my best work in a 20 year career. Beautiful Dogs had me laughing. And, and what I, de I discussed it with a friend um, and I said, he's very likable and he walks a certain line and it's almost like he's the MAGA whisperer. Like I can't get on stage and say that she, I do, but they'll find, they'll find me off-putting. But he has a, I'm from... I'm from your world. So I'm given, it's like the revert. It's almost like a black dude saying the N word. It's he gets to talk shit about Trump and speak truthfully in a humorous way because they find him to be like, you're one of us, but you haven't turned your back on us kind of vibe. Um, it's a great special. It's a really great special from start to finish. Like I have seen specials um, that, that fizzle. Maybe you have a few great bits, but you don't have the pacing and the de and, and the volume to, to make a consistent hour special. I think it's 52 minutes, but beautiful dogs, everybody, whether you're somebody listening to this going like, I really didn't like the things he said, or I'm, I'm not going to support him because I found something. I can't make you watch it. But if you're a comedy fan, I've spoken very highly of several specials on this show so far. Beautiful dogs is one of those ones where you go. This is either what I've been waiting to see from Shane Gillis or that he is reaching a new peak. Because like I said, I watched his live in Austin special and it was fine. But I wouldn't be talking about that one on this show. But I saw Beautiful, but beautiful Dogs just, man, it was, it's, it's, it's impressive. And, you know, whatever his heights or level was before this, this is, he's now on a new level. Like this is, this is not just some flash in the pan where you're like, no, oh, no, he had his moment. This is like a killer special. Um, super funny. And I think you'll know what I mean. Like I jokingly say the MAGA whisper because it's like, he's walking this line, but I never feel like he's, I never, and this is important to me. I never felt like he was pandering to one side or the other. I never felt like he just was, he has this like, you, this persona carved out where he's like, I, I've already said it. I don't need to repeat it again, but it's almost like he's just able to walk that line where he is going to say some shit is fucked up that maybe his uncles or dad loves, but you're never going to feel, but it's, it's just, I, I, I don't need to say anything fucking more. Um, he does a bit about going to George Washington's home. That's, that's like a classic bit. It should become a classic bit. Um, and I love seeing that. And I think to be fair, even though I have to bring up my own thing, the thing that I was most proud of with half blackface is kind of walking that line. I'm walking it in the reverse way. 
I know my fan base is largely left of center. So I'm going to run with that and talk about all the things I've done that would offend them or all the experiences I've had that might offend them knowing that I have them on my side. And he's almost doing kind of a reverse. It's just a great special where it's like, Hey, you're, you're, you're cousin Shane. You're our guy from, from Pennsylvania and you're the funny, the big funny guy, but it's subversive at the same time while being accepted. And, and anybody who wouldn't watch his shit because they assume one way or the other about him, just fucking watch it. Uh, beautiful dogs on Netflix, really great special. Um, most laughs, I've had since Bo Burnham's uh, Inside, which everybody who knows me knows that I think that's a first ballot Hall of Fame special. So go watch it. And uh, thank you for watching or listening to this. Remember, we're on all the podcast platforms. We're also on my YouTube channel. There's a playlist on my YouTube channel, uh, Keep Rain on Your Parade. So if you're a YouTuber or a listener uh, of podcasts, that's where you can find it. And please share it. Leave a five-star review. Or a review. If you choose to use five stars, we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and tell a friend. Like that's that's such an easy way. If you enjoy the podcast for whatever reason, tell a friend. Get them to start listening. So thank you, everybody. And I will see you next Thursday. <laughs>